You know, I lived in Europe, Ari. Um, I lived there for uh, quite, quite a long time, a total of uh, two years, two and a half years, I guess. Once in Germany and once in England. And I've also traveled a lot and got a lot of uh, great experiences. I, I speak French. Uh, I've been to France many times as a result and been to Israel. I've been to, I, I'm, I'm pretty well traveled, one would say. Okay, and my, my family lived as well as in Japan and um, all sorts of different places. Very exciting life, right? Now, one of the things that I've, I've loved, and, and I've, I've said this to you before, one of the things I learned when somebody asks me, what was the one thing you took away from all your traveling, especially growing up traveling like that, is that everywhere you go, people are equally petty, right? That's what I've learned. And it's, it's true. They are petty. You know, what, what we think, when we think of Europeans, for example, we think that they're so sophisticated that all they, all they do all day long is do very sophisticated things and talk about art all day long. The reality is they have their jealousies and their pettiness and their squabbles with their brothers and sisters and their wives and husbands and so forth. Just as much as we, as we do. In fact, they probably have more squabbles than we do. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, the, the hint for that is that we have more important things to do, right? We are, we are busy doing important things. In socialist governments, which is what you see a lot of in Europe, uh, they, they're frustrated from doing important things. So they end up just kind of doing these clerk-type jobs. They have these uh, you know, non-opportunities in, in their lives. And everything else takes much greater importance in their lives. So hence the squabbling is much more intense. Uh, couple that with the fact that they don't really believe in God either. So they don't even have a, a mission for, their, for themselves. So all there is is this, this squabbling that they have to, uh, to bicker about. Okay. Uh, the main mission of this podcast now is to talk about some of the key differences that I've noticed uh, between the European attitude and the American attitude and what it means. I'll be exploring this a little bit more on my Sunday show, but I, I think this is quite a, quite a telling thing and it's worth exploring quite a bit. All right, so you talk to most Europeans and you say, what do you think of America? You know, past, getting past this notion of liberty and justice and, and that you're imperialist and all that stuff, right? What is it about American culture that you find bizarre? Just ask them that question. Because, you know, we, we would say, um, you know, we think it's weird how Europeans wear those kind of really skimpy uh, bathing suits for men, right, in the, in the, in the, on the beaches, right, the Speedos. We would say that we, we find it weird that everyone seems to smoke and they haven't gotten it yet that it's so unhealthy for you, right? We, we would say these things. And what's with the mayo on the French fries, <laughs> right? These are the kind of things we would say and, and a couple more. But they would say, what's with all the God and what's with all the guns, right? And what's, what's your problem with gays too, right? And the gay marriage. Why, why, why is that such a big problem for you? And it's really telling, um, you know, they, and liberals on this side of the Atlantic, meaning that, that Americans, the liberal Americans, they will say, we're the only country that... You know, still has the death penalty other than Syria and Iran. And, you know, we're in, we're in very bad company is what they, what they suggest, right? Uh, and we're, we're also this country that seems to have to, everyone seems to go to church and, and isn't that crazy? We don't do that in Europe. It's, it's, not, it's not necessary. We don't, we don't find it interesting for whatever reason. And, and I always think when I hear people talking like that, Ari, I, I think maybe... Maybe that's the reason why we are different. That's the reason why America is so great, is that we care about God so much. And that we do have, and, and our gun culture, if they want to call it that, um, reflects our individualism, which in turn also is very good for the success of our country. Right? I mean, you're with me on this. He's nodding his head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't know. Ari David is actually Sometimes here, Sometimes you <laughs> want me to agree and say, yes, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Other times you just want me. Yeah, I'm nodding. Get, All right. And, and, All right. And, and, Continue yeah. to be a yes man. Yes. Then. Very good oh, boy. Yes. Good boy. Yeah. No, You're of course. correct, <laughs> sir. Yes. 
I just wanted a normal producer. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so. I, mean, I, I am a normal producer. I, no, you They're are all not. Weird. No, no, no. All right. Uh, so God and guns, just just for one, and then the gays, only because that also starts with the letter G. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have to find something. <laughs> so, but but why is it that also that we um, we seem to have this uh, from a European perspective? They think that we have this uh, bizarre hostility toward homosexuality, uh, which is not true. But nevertheless, uh, in terms of the marriage thing, the debate here was much more extensive than it was over there. Uh, you want to get married uh, to uh, to another man? Hey, have fun. Okay, that that's that's the way it works over there. They, everything is so open, and the, like I said, the death penalty and so forth. And they never stop to to ask themselves. Maybe this is the reason why we are America, and they are Europe. Okay. Now, one of the things that I've noticed is the degree to which people stand up for what's right. Look at recently what happened, I don't know, I think it was two years ago, three years ago, that this, this train in France that went from whatever part of uh, the world to, to Paris, I think it was, and there was a terrorist that was on the train. Uh, unbeknownst to this terrorist, there were three Americans. Yes, they were soldiers, but they were three Americans. They're the ones who made the decision to take this guy down. Everyone else was just silent, did not do anything. It's not as if the other passengers on the car, and there were plenty of them, uh, said to themselves, you know what, um, we're just going to, uh, we see that three Americans are there, they're already doing something, so we'll do nothing. No, they had no idea that these Americans were planning anything. It was, it, it was as if the Americans were the only ones other than the terrorist in the car uh, because they decided to do something. Everyone was just sitting back doing nothing. They were just hoping that this terrorist thing would just somehow end because they haven't been trained whatsoever in dealing with evil. They don't know that, that evil itself even exists. It's To them, it's like, I don't know, like we can't see uh, ultraviolet light, okay? And a, and a bumblebee can, right? That's what it is like for the Europeans when it comes to evil, right? They, they cannot see it. So when it actually... Uh, manifests itself in front of them in the form of some maniac saying Alu Akbar with a sword, they, they say, huh, what, what's this going on here? To them, it's like they're watching a TV screen, not realizing that it's part of their, it's, it's literally right in front of them. So anyway, the Americans get up, they take down this guy, followed by an Englishman, as it turns out, but only once the guy was already taken down, that's when the Englishman you know, summons up his courage. Aha! <laughs> I'll show you, right? Um, so that, that's the way it was with this. And, and you wonder, why is that so? That's a cultural difference. That's, a, that's an upbringing difference. And it turns out that these three Americans, they were very devout Christians. They didn't, they didn't hesitate for a moment. They understood exactly what they had to do. Bam, they just did it, Right? They didn't uh, start thinking like a European, in other words. And it's of these cultural differences that I want to speak because, you know, beyond Speedos and beyond cigarette smoking, it's their whole approach to life. Here's another um, example. When, when you are in Paris, for example, they have ambulances just like we have here, okay? Okay and cop cars and fire, firemen and such. The only difference really is, is the, the sound of the siren itself. And they have this kind of crazy siren sound, but that's not the important part. If you are in the, on the street here, let's say on Wilshire Boulevard, and you, you, get, uh, you hear a siren behind you, what do you do, Ari? You pull over and make way for it. Right. Or okay. you stop what you're doing and say, where is it coming from? Right. And yeah, then but, <clears throat> when you ascertain where it's coming from, you make sure you're not impeding it. Right. And now you do it. I mean, it, first of all, it's, it's, a, it's a legal thing. You have to do it. But on, on the other hand, you also do it because it's the right thing to do. There's someone in trouble yeah. who needs the road more than I do right. at that moment. Yeah, whatever. And the sound and lights are letting us know that. I right. know I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking in almost a, con well, no, no, a truly condescending term, but I'm talking to the Europeans out there explaining this right. is how life works. This is how it works. 
So for the, uh, you know, you wouldn't say as, and as, a, as an American, in my Wilshire example that I just mentioned, you wouldn't say, well, hey, I've got to get to this meeting on time. This is really important. And whatever you've got in your ambulance, whatever heart attack or stroke you're dealing with, my meeting is more important. No, you, of course you wouldn't say that. You understand right away that these guys probably have something more urgent to deal with than my little meeting. Right. Now, as a greedy American, I always then follow in the wake of the ambulance and join the traffic freeze. But it's totally legal, and that's I'm not right, hurting legal, anyone. Yeah. It's speeding, I'm speeding, it's cool. Yeah, you know? and, you, and you help along, right? You, right? you roll down the window, you say, get away, get out of the way, you idiots. Can't you see there's an ambulance? Honk, honk. Anyway, no, he doesn't do that, folks. Okay, I, I bring this up as an example because... That's what we Americans do. It's, it's instinctive in us. When you hear a siren in Paris, good luck, ambulance, <laughs> of getting through. Nobody pulls to the side. Yet, to them, it's, the traffic is bad enough, and now they have to deal with this crazy siren sound, right? It's unpleasant. Nobody moves. It was one of the first things I noticed when we, when we moved to uh, Germany. And I thought, wow, what the, what the hell is this? They don't pull over. They don't pull over. Is it, is it part of it that they don't care about the person who's in trouble, who needs the emergency vehicle and the EMTs to get to them to prevent them from dying? Is it a... No, they, 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 I don't think... That, you know, contrary to the whole, uh, we are part of a social society and socialism and so forth, they have no interest in that at all. They, they just expect a lot of goodies. That's, that's, what, that's the, really the, the so deal. So it's like, give me my welfare check. What about the common good, bro- brother? Screw you. I yeah. want my welfare check. Oh, exactly right. Wow. Yeah. They, and that's the way they feel when the ambulance comes, comes by because it's, it's in a whole attitude of what, what have I got coming to me and what have they done for me? Right? It's, it's really bizarre. My God, that goes so much. And you know, you've talked about so often on different episodes about how socialism leaves you powerless and a worse person. Right. That's exactly right. It, it, oh. That is what socialism is all about. So you've got all these people on the road not pulling to the side. Now, here's, you know, we recently experienced some hurricanes, right, uh, in, in America, not in Los Angeles, of course. But whenever there's a national tragedy, um, what do you see in America? I see people putting aside all of those differences the media has been telling us that we have. Right. And getting their their shirt sleeves rolled up. I see people getting to work and fixing the problem. Right. Well, not only that, but... You know, in the hurricane. And, and donating money to people you don't know right. and offering water and food and right. shelter to people you don't know. That's right. And they, they take their boats in the hurricane example. Uh, they find boats and they say, hey, you know, hop on in and we'll get you out of here. And then they knock on doors and they do great things for each other. Right. Yeah. They don't they don't you know, they know that we have to rely on each other to help us out. Right. And okay. we have and I see the media standing around watching this shocked well, that right. people get along. But yeah. that, that, it goes to my point that that whole thing that we don't get along with each other is a lie. You know? I know, but that's another, we, that's another we thing. We pull together and we do it. Right. And I think you're going to make a point that that I'm might to... not be the case in another <laughs> Somewhere the across the pond. Yeah. Uh, so, no, but, and it's, it applies in, in everything you can think of, whether there's a uh, an earthquake, of course, uh, a tornado. People help each, out, uh, each other out, and they're really warm, very nice stories. Uh, you know, there might be a blizzard. You know, um, we open up the, um, our, our store for you guys, and we'll make it a makeshift shelter in the meantime. Uh, our hotel rooms are open up to any victims. That, that sort of thing. Oh, I'm about yeah. to buy the last generator. Oh, but you need it more because you have an elderly person here. You here take you go. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. And... Uh, you know, there are issues, of course, and people talk about price gouging. That's another story. But nevertheless, well, we people, are capitalists, though, you know. people help each other. That's the, the main notion. I don't want to de- derail from that. In Europe, not so much. Okay? I, I, I defy you. I mean, of course, there, I, I would hope there are at least a couple of exceptions. But you're not going to see great stories of heroism and people helping each other out during the equivalent national, natural disaster. Uh, whether that it's a heat wave or some sort of uh, earthquake. Um, and there are earthquakes in, in Europe as well. Uh, or blizzards. They don't do that. They don't go check on each other. And again, the, the, and the reason is very simple, by the way. This is even simpler than, than the other 
Well, but maybe they're all the same thing. You know, the same thing like the train example I just told you about. They figure, okay, here's, here's a terrorist. He's shouting Allah Akbar. Somebody from the government is going to step in and, and fix yes. this. Yes. You know, it's funny. I was thinking in my mind what you see in Europe. There's just because I haven't seen it, but I was imagining that everyone pulling together and doing the work and rolling up their sleeves all have bibs on that identify them as government employees. Right. That's it's, exactly it, what it is. It isn't Joe and John Citizen right. getting together doing yeah. it. It's actual people paid for by the socialist tax rates. Right. They, they, it's just not in their blood to help individually. They take care, take care of their own families. Thank you very much. You take care of your family. I take care of my family. Okay, that's, that's how they think of it. It, it, it. Contrary to the whole socialist mantra where everyone is, is helping each other out and everyone's doing their fair share, it's exactly the opposite. It is the most selfish, most self-centered uh, approach to living that, that uh, the world has created thus far. Fascinating, right? Um, and, and it goes on beyond this. It goes on also to the world of charity. You, you kind of intimated to that before. Um, the charitable instinct of Americans is far greater than in Europe. The Europeans just, they don't give charity. And, and, and in, a sense, in this sense, I almost don't blame them because they're giving so much of, of every friggin' <clears throat> equivalent of a dollar to, <clears throat> to their respective governments. It's a huge amount. I mean, what, if, if you are paying 80% of every dollar to the government, you're going to hoard whatever is, remains, right? You just, I mean, they think we're nuts for giving up charity. Let, let me get this straight. You work really hard. You, you do all sorts of crazy things, and you don't, and, and then you give money <laughs> to other people. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Cuckoo. <laughs> that's, that's the way the Europeans think of us. Cuckoo. So we, we are different in more ways than we think. Okay? It's, it's not just, I mean, it's not just the different language. It's not just that they eat croissant over there and we prefer hot dogs. Um, it's not that we play baseball and they play cricket or soccer. Uh, all those things are true. There are differences. But they don't, they don't animate our lives. What does animate our lives is our is our respective attitudes toward the world and our fellow man. Here's another difference, <laughs> okay? And it, it's very, very similar. Um, you know, when I, when I get in the elevator, you get in the elevator, I've seen you do this too. Um, we kind of say hi to folks, right? Um, and it doesn't have to be the elevator. It could be on the sidewalk. You just meet somebody on the way to your car. You see uh, a lady with her dog, and you say, hey, how are you? Uh, or, you know, that's a very cute dog. Yeah, whatever, Right? We go out of our way to exchange pleasantries. Right. How are you is a very important phrase for us, right? How's your day? Have a good one, right? Take it easy. Things to this effect. Every time I leave the elevator and there's a couple people in the elevator, I say, uh, hey, everyone, have a good, uh, good week or good weekend, as the case may be. And they say, you too, you too. And then the door closes and I'm off my merry way. They don't do that or anything like that in Europe. They, uh, they just they acknowledge each other's existence. You know, in Germany especially, they say Tag, which is short for Guten Tag, good morning. But it's more like nodding their head <laughs> and just acknowledge, you know, so listen, I'm, I'm here. Uh, my presence is here. Don't, don't bump into me. That's, that's really what's going on. They don't check in with you. They don't smile. They just don't. They, they look at us Americans and they say, you Americans are always smiling all the time. Why are you so happy? Yeah, what do you have to smile about? Yes. Why are you happy? Yeah. How dare you? But they're, they're so remarkably unhappy, yeah. these people. They, and they take offense at, at yes. others' happiness. Yes. They, they think that we're phonies. Like yeah. because we're how, happy. How can anyone be happy in this world with its global warming? You know. <laughs> yes. And yes. High taxes. Oh, even before the global warming, there was uh, you know, it you know existentialism and communism and fascism and all those good things. You know, th these no wonder these these philosophies or these ideologies, I should say, were born out of Europe. They're depressing, right? I mean, it, and it's an effort to make life more appealing, but they they fail uh, utterly in doing so. And so it's, it's a very unhappy environment uh, in Europe. And 
they, they don't see the reason to be happy, I think. And in America, we, what's not to be happy about, right? You, 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 know, you have a, a job, you have the opportunity to succeed. Uh, you, you think of an invention, well, by golly, you can patent it and make millions and, and maybe even billions. Um, you have the ability to change jobs. You have the ability to, to travel anywhere you like. Uh, you, have, you, you get to keep more of your money than, uh, than any European out there. It's, that's good. Why wouldn't you be happy about Why that? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah what's, what's wrong with this picture? Yeah. And what's wrong with us reflecting it or showing it? How is that such an offense yeah. to these people? Yeah. And, and, and the how are yous are exactly like that. Hey, I hope you're feeling as good as I am. Right. Yeah. And, and yes, and sometimes you fake it. it you, maybe you, you're feeling horrible. Maybe, God forbid, you're, you know, a relative, a close relative, just uh, was in the hospital, oh, you and you're dealing with that. And, and, and then, yeah, you're having a bad day, and, and people ask you, "How are you?" You say, "Oh, fine, thanks. Uh, how about you?" Because you know what? Relatively speaking, you are still fine. Or, or better yet, when I'm having a bad day, I'm more likely to say hi to someone, hoping that the exchange cheers me up. Right. Right. I mean, it's an amazingly different attitude. The European is miserable and happy staying miserable. Yeah. I'm miserable, or my fellow American is miserable. We're looking to change our state, our status. Yes. That's right. The, you know, happiness is the exception for them. Unhappiness is the exception for us. And, and who wouldn't want to live in a country like this? And by the way, no wonder you know, America is a magnet for just about every country in the world. No, not just about every single country in the world, because... You know, at the very least, you know that you're walking into a place where people are happy. You know, I don't know why they're happy, but by, by golly, I want a part of that. You know, maybe if I just walk into this area, I'll get the, the happiness drug too. I, you know, what, what air are you breathing that makes you so happy? And so it should be. How, so did, be. how did this place, Europe, the cradle of much of Western civilization and Judeo-Christian, let's say, not maybe the... the the beginnings of it, but the refinement of it mm-hmm. becomes such a miserable mess with yeah. this crap. And, you know, we know a lot of the answer of critical theory, you know, the Frankfurt School, the existentialism, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the different writers and the influencer right. and the niches and this. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, a lot of it, uh, I mean, that's an easy one for me because, you know, I'm, I'm writing the book about, uh, yeah. about atheism. The, Europe, Europe has a very, and it, it was kind of like, Coded within the initial discussion part. Um, yeah, they have a God problem. They have a God problem. Not they, enough. Yeah, uh, very little God, isn't it? I mean, really, very little. Um, it's it's the equivalent of you know you have a ketchup bottle and you keep on pounding that the bottom so you can get the last bit of ketchup out of the bottle, yeah. and they're still looking for it. And every every day passes, you know, you, you haven't gotten rid of it from the refrigerator because you know you still want the ketchup, right? <laughs> but. You know, you keep on scraping, and it's less and less of uh, that ketchup every day. Yeah, so it's big G government, small G God, rather than here, big right. G God, little G right. government. Exactly right, and and they, they they still officially have God in there. They haven't totally erased it. And after all, there are the churches there, right? Yeah. And there's Notre Dame and all the other churches that uh, we know and love there. But they are just not interested in God, and so no wonder. I mean, you cannot be happy. Repeat, you cannot be happy. Without God, you think you're you you may think you're happy, but at the end of the day, you are craving something. You are missing a very important nutrient uh, to uh, to the success of your life, to 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 live a life, not just to be to, to be alive, but to actually live. And without God, uh, nutrient you know vitamin G, if you like, I don't see how you could possibly see the world. In a happy way, you, you you could probably have fun uh, taking your kids to Disneyland, you know, the, the roller coaster rides uh, anywhere else that you might like. Uh, I don't know when you have sex. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, when, when you see a fun movie yeah. or something. But but that that's fun and happiness, of course, are two different things. Right, that's amusement, not happiness. Right, that's all. No. That's and, and so and so they seek it out in amusement. That's the funny thing about it, as yeah. it were. That's what Europeans do. They are constantly going out to amuse themselves. Um, to they can't find meaning anywhere else. So they, you know, they, they go to uh, their little bars where they sit around and they drink cafe all day long, and uh, beer at night. And it's really quite a quite a lackluster life and, and a meaningless life. I'm not. Of course, I'm not talking about all Europeans, but unfortunately, there are just far too many of them. 
look what happens. I mean, we, here's another example of a, of a major difference uh, between Americans and Europeans. Uh, sporting events, okay? Uh, do not repeat, do not taunt happy fun ball, right? Uh, referring to the uh, SNL uh, yeah, don't spoof. don't don't go to a soccer game. If don't go to a soccer room. game if if you know what's don't good for you. Don't be around soccer. Right. We think that every once in a while there's some rowdiness in in a Dodger game um, or a football game. There's some rowdiness. Yeah, some guys, a rowdy fan, a foul mouth slur. Uh, right. Somebody throws yeah. a beer at somebody else, and there's a little fist fight. Okay, that ain't nothing compared to what these European boys like to do. All right, they go into full scale riot. Okay, and it's, it's a normal thing for them. No, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. The soccer, they, don't even, they, they don't even report it on the news. Right, the soccer hooligan, the tramplings, the crushings, the deaths. This yeah. is normal at right. European soccer. In fact, you know, we hear so often about how horribly racist America and you know our culture is. In, in Europe, when they have black soccer players, the fans in unison make the sounds of monkeys and throw bananas on the field. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, that's very true. It's laughable because it's so stupid, but yeah. they do it. They're that insulting. Right. They're, they have that little respect for people. Here's another difference <laughs> uh, between Europeans and uh, Americans. And by the way, have you noticed that none of the differences reflect very well on the Europeans so far? Yeah, you think? <laughs> it's not like, oh, that croissant is far superior to ours. The appellation of their, uh, you know, the, of their. Uh, um, you know, pronunciation of the words. The words. You know, wine areas are so much better. Their bread tastes better. No, the, the same bread is here. Yeah. The same foie gras is here. Right. I, I'm not saying. I mean, look, we, we talked about how the difference is between hot dogs versus croissants. I, yeah. I, we're, and we're not even talking about um, the differences we are talking about. Are differences that are much more um, esoteric or inchoate, as we say in law. You can't really touch it, right? You can touch a croissant. You can touch a hot dog, but you can't really touch. Um, a sense of uh, patriotism. You can't, yeah, but I'm you, you can't touch a, a sense of God. Yeah. So, but, but here, I want to go on to the next point, uh, which is patriotism. So, going back to the sporting events, um, you know, we, we, before the sporting event, almost in every circumstance, whether it's uh, professional ball or college ball, we'll sing the Star Spangled Banner, right? And we put our, hopefully, most of us will put our hand to our heart and we'll sing it uh, proudly. And, you know, except, exception to Colin Kaepernick, but that's, that's another yeah, thing. Yeah, if, if you happen to kneel, the great thing about America is that's, it looks so bizarre, we actually notice. Right, we actually notice it, right. Where, uh, and, and then we say play ball, right, yeah. and then have a fun time. And we all remember that we were part of a united force, and this is just a game. Thank you. It gives us perspective, yeah, right? Yeah, the real thing is that anthem. The right. game is just a game. Right. But we remind ourselves why we the game is what it is. Right. You know? And plus it's an opportunity for us to express ourselves as as joyful Americans and patriotic Americans. And, of course, and Europeans who come over to a game, you take them out to a ball game, and they say, what the hell is this? They just don't understand it. They... The, the, the idea that we could be proud to be Americans is so bizarre to them. Um, you know, you ask a Dutch person, you know, are you proud to be a, a, a you know, a, a Dutch, a Dutchman? He'll say, that's where I'm from. That's all. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't really master that Dutch accent, but they... The they, freaky deaky Dutch accent? Yeah. They're yeah. Very, it's very, uh, it's a very funny, like, no, that's where I'm born. That's my culture. That's it. Uh, but they don't perceive themselves to be better than the French or better than the Germans or anything else like that. They make fun of, of each other from time to time. But the idea to be proud of what your country has accomplished, that's totally alien to them. Yeah. Do you think that's a overreaction to um, past sins of nationalism these different countries have engaged in? I, I think so. I think so. But it's also more of a reflection of their, <clears throat> their inability to... Um, to embrace God in their lives. That the centrality of God is gone in Europe. It just doesn't exist. So when you have that, then well, then nothing holds together. Yeah, because here, the core, for better or worse, most Americans at least attempt to have a connection to God, country, family. Right. In maybe not that order, but in some form of it. Well, God and country is the, is the key coupling that, that I'd like to talk about, which is when we sing the Star Spangled Banner, we... 
we feel like we are connecting to God in, in a sense, too. We do feel that God had his, had his hand in the creation of this great nation. And there's something to it because we do believe that our rights, you know, stem from, from what God has given us. I, I've always felt that way. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, I, I think that a lot of people who put their hands on their hearts, uh, when they sing the Star Spangled Banner, or actually just sing it without even the hands on their hearts, I think most of them, I'd say even 90% of them believe in God and fiercely so. They have, it, God is a big part of their lives. So, uh, you know, I can't prove it right now, but I think there would be a strong correlation. And I think most of our listeners would agree that there's a strong correlation. Yeah, and also there's a strong correlation that just because Americans don't attend church or pray doesn't mean they don't believe in God. Yes. Um, Yes. But I think in Europe, almost anyone who doesn't attend church on a regular basis clearly doesn't believe in God. Yes. You know, the church attendance is so way down. The the church... um, as a center of, of a community d- doesn't exist the way it does here. Right, right. Unless, of course, you're talking about the mosque, but that's off topic. Right. Here's another thing that's different. <laughs> and there's, so, there's just so many. I mean, there, I'm, I'm actually just coming up with them as I, as I speak. Uh, as you know, I went to Stanford uh, for undergrad, and, you know, I had really... We, we live by an honor code at Stanford, and we don't have any proctors at the, um, when you take a test. And the students are all very proud of it. And, and so, you, so you can cheat all you want, and as long as you don't call it on yourself, you're good to go. There you go. Good. <laughs> just, no, that's what you're, that you're, means. The honor code is twofold. One is that you don't cheat, of course. And then secondly, if you do see somebody cheating, you report it. Okay? We're, we're all in the honor code. And it's, it's very, you know, I, I assume that it's still at play today at Stanford. But it's a very strong code. And you're taught about this, you know, from the very beginning when you go to Stanford. Bunch of tattletales. Well, <laughs> anyway. So My wife keeps telling me now when I say that. She says, no, we want our kids to be tattletales. And I have to relearn and go, oh, yeah, now I'm a yeah, parent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> D- right, right. Different right. role in right. life here. So the honor code is, is good there. But, but putting aside the honor code for a second, we, we have a sense that, you know, again, putting aside, you don't cheat. Yes. It's not right to do. And you don't um, tolerate it in others. Right. And so you take a test and, uh, you know, it's, it's not the right thing to do. And you want to get your A the fair and square away. Okay. In Europe, not at all. Okay. <laughs> Cheating is totally fine so long as you can get away with it. Totally fine. It's encouraged. It's encouraged. It's a yeah. logical thing to cheat. Okay. So, and Dennis Prager talks about this in terms of, you know, when people say that you don't need God, all you really need is logic in order to form a just, a just and good society, well, okay, well, why isn't cheating on a test logical, right? Of course, it's, it's very logical. It's totally logical. It gets you ahead in uh, college. I mean, if you cheat your way through high school and no one catches you, of course, uh, now you have straight A's um, and everything, well, of course, now you're going to get into the best schools. Well, great. Good for you. Good for you, right? Yeah. So, so we had, during the summer session at Stanford, I was an RA uh, resident assistant during one of the uh, summer sessions. And this, uh, they have a lot of foreigners. At least back then, they had a lot of foreigners come in. And they were taking these tests. And they were cheating up the wazoo. Right and left. Cheating, cheating, cheating. And, it, and they were actually bragging about it to everyone. They were saying, this place is great. No one, there's no proctors, nobody looking over our shoulders. This is so easy. You Americans are so stupid. Yeah. Really. They think a little honor code will keep us from cheating. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They didn't yeah. even know what the, the honor code was. So, uh, and, and they were parting about it, saying how great. And I just, I went to the ombudsman and I told them, this is what's happening. These guys are just bragging about it, no less. And so they cracked down on it. And they all looked at me like, What's the matter with you? You know, dude, you're a student too. Aren't you supposed to be with us? And I, it, was, it was a culture clash. That's what was happening. And it's a yet another distinction. Look, I mean, and so many of the distinctions that people talk about Excuse in, me. in Europe is um, a, a distinction that makes... When they go abroad to Europe, they feel so unsophisticated, right? They feel so uncultured. Um, so uninformed compared to these wonderful Europeans who 
who are sitting in these cafes. No, we don't understand what they're saying, but presumably they're talking about the most eloquent and erudite of things and subjects. Yeah, was that Proust? I think I heard Proust. Oh, Proust. Yes, yeah. exactly right. And wow, they are so... Uh, and, and look at these wonderful subways and these buses and, and these libraries are free and the, medical, and the medical care is free. And what a great uh, utopian uh, world that we, that, that we are missing out on. So they come in and they apologize for America. And I want to tell you, as Americans, you've got nothing to apologize for, that these Europeans, most of them, you know, of course, there's so many great Europeans, but a lot of them are really, what's the word I'm looking for? Dirt. Okay? They're just dirt. A lot of them. I mean, especially these kids who are cheating and are, you know, they're all in and of, all in for themselves only. Now, you may think that's a harsh word. I'm referring to a lot of these, not all the Europeans, of course, but a lot of them as dirt. Uh, not, not the dirt of the European society that are coming here. I'm talking about all of them. And, but, but why is that such a harsh word? Everything I've just described, which is very accurate, they don't pull to the side of the road, right? That's dirt. They cheat, that's dirt. They go ballistic when their team doesn't win uh, in a sports arena, that's dirt. They right? burn the city down if it does win. <laughs> right. That's dirt. That's dirt too, right? Um, they don't say how are you. That they, they they don't they don't, by the way they don't shower either. <laughs> so that's dirt. That's, dirt. <laughs> that's dirty as well. No, I'm, I'm kind of kidding around with the last part, but but no, you're not. Well, no, you're not. okay, no. that's a special carve out for the French. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, man. The, the Germans are overly hygienic, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. So um, and and they they don't uh, you know they don't have a centrality of God in their lives. I. Their their sense of not caring about anything beyond themselves, how they wouldn't help out in a hurricane. That's dirt, right? Can you imagine? You um, you, you're you're on the top of a of a house, you know, after it's been flooded, that the whole area has been flooded, and you see uh, your neighbor passing by. Okay, bye, Charlie. Hey, can you help me? Every man for himself. F you. <laughs> right. Brotherhood, common good. That's right. Fraternity. That's right. They wouldn't. They wouldn't even think about that. That's the. That's the sad yeah. part of it. Don't worry. The government will be buying a man to help you. Right. Yeah. You, you know how? Um, you know. Just last night, I, I saw a car accident, and I, I witnessed it, and I stopped my car, and I came out, and I said, I saw the whole thing. Here's my card. Call me if you need me. Right. And she said, That's so nice of you. And I said, ah, You know, you would do it for me. And she goes, Yep, I would. And. Uh, so, right? But in, in France and Europe, their, their attitude is completely the opposite, right? Uh, you wouldn't do it for me, so I won't do it for you, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they <laughs> that's exactly the way it is. <laughs> right? It's, it's exactly the inverse. Oh, God, how awful. Right? It, it is. They don't help each other. Yeah. They're not interested in each other. And, and would, would you say that for the American visiting Europe, who, it's kind of like going to Disneyland. When you go to Disneyland, what do you see? You see the part of the park meant for guests. Right. You don't see what ha- goes on underground or the trash removal operations or all those dirty dishes or all the, uh, you know, surface cleaning operations needing to polish all those, uh, right. uh, you know, sinks and toilets up, right? Is it similar where mostly because you don't go to a place like Disneyland to see that and you don't go to Europe to see the ugly you know grungy no. part right is is part of americans perceptions that they see only the croissant and not the yeah. dirt yeah well that's exactly right and and they're only there for a week you know usually on a, on a vacation of some kind and they stay in a hotel the hotels are very nice Oh, Monsieur Lurie, ça va bien? It's good to see you again. Ah, okay, yeah. please, uh, uh, anything we can help you with. Okay, they understand. I mean, that there's money involved there, so that they're actually nice. Yeah, and it's that's called the hospitality industry. Right. It's a job to be nice there. Right. They're not nice, but... Right. Yeah. But, but if you actually, I, and I have some French friends, and you actually live with them or stay with them, they're living in hovels. It's just, it's embarrassing. I, I went into this, uh, the, the apartment of one of my friends, my French friends, and I said, um, all right, so where do I shower? Where's the bathroom? And she said, well, there's a toilet. And I said, yeah, but where do you shower? She goes, oh, we use the kitchen sink. And I said, really? You don't have a shower? No, no. So that's what they do. And now you know why the French uh, don't smell so good. So, so often, yes. You know. So, uh, you know, one thing I'll say, and this is kind of like a, a bizarre consequence of World War II, is that so many of the German cities were so obliterated, 
right? Uh, Dresden being a, the most famous example, Munich being a good example, that they had to rebuild everything. And guess what? They rebuilt it with showers, <laughs> right? The French, by contrast, they gave in so quickly that very, the very few French buildings were actually destroyed. In fact, I don't think any of them were destroyed. Uh, so yeah, when they were destroyed, it was up in the north where the battles happened. There, there were barely any battles. So, you know, Paris gave in right, almost as, qu- yeah, as quickly. I'm talking about the Normandy invasion, then fighting the hedgerow battle through. Yeah, the- yeah, but that's that's yeah. not serious, uh, serious stuff there. Yes. They didn't really battle too much. Um, you had nothing like Dresden, nothing like Munich. Okay, nothing yeah. like the the Battle of London. For, uh, the yeah, Battle of uh, I was going to say the Battle of Britain. Yeah, Britain. the bombing of London because at least London was bombed. They had to rebuild things. Yeah, and, uh, modern plumbing. Right. So the the French and there's so much poorness and there's so much building preservation of this or adjustment or that that people live in older buildings where they don't have modern conveniences. That's right. That's right. That's that's exactly so. You have to understand that when you go to Europe and you see what you see on vacation. It's very different than, than the life of somebody there. Uh, it's, it's extremely different. And <clears throat> they, they lack a, a sense of purpose. They lack a sense of ambition. They are always striving. If, if they could leave to America, if they could leave to another country, sometimes it's another country in, in, in Europe. Uh, mo- a lot of French people just have moved to England. I mean, what's that they say? They say that um, if... if um, London were a French city, uh, meaning just just by the number of French people in London, it would be, I think, like the third or fourth largest city in in France, right? Because there's so many people who have moved from France to England for better opportunity. England is is definitely an exception to a degree uh, compared to the rest of Europe in terms of its uh, ability to offer opportunity and such. Even from a religious point of view, it's it's a little bit better. But it's, it's sad. It, the whole thing is sad. There's a, a major distinction between Europe and America, and you need to understand that what you see there is, is, is very deceptive uh, in terms of what you might want. And so this, this craving to be more like Europe uh, is really misguided. It's going to hurt us all because what you do, it's a, it's a little bit like a child thinking, wouldn't it be great to be in Disneyland all the time and work in Disneyland, to use your example? And then all of a sudden, they, they say, okay, here's the mop. Um, you know, go sweep up, and uh, here's, here's the food we're going to give you, and here's the stipend we give you, and it's not such a good stipend. Um, and you're expected to kind of go back and forth and making sure, make sure to monitor everyone. Very quickly, it becomes a very drudge job. And uh, what they don't tell you is, no, you don't get to ride the rides. Right. Those are for the paying guests, not the employees. That's right. And nor, nor could you afford the rides, as right. it turns out. Yeah. So a lot of these restaurants, you know, you go to in, in Paris and, and otherwise, uh, the, the meals are very expensive and very few people can afford it. I mean, very, the very wealthy can and the tourists can. But, wow, there, there's a lot of um, what we would call poverty in France. They, they call it middle class. Um, but it's poverty to us. And, the, and so, again, major distinctions. And we need to learn from these distinctions. <clears throat> the sense of pat- and the non-patriotism that they have, their failure to say, how are you? Um, the failure to stand up when they see evil. The, the, the failure to help others when they are in need. Uh, this, is this the world that you want to live in? Because I don't. I don't, and it makes me appreciate America all the more. There are very few countries like America, and it it really should beg the question to us all, why is it so? What makes America so great that we... That we enjoy all these goodies that we just talked about. That it that not only that we enjoy the benefits of opportunity, and the benefits of freedom, and such like that, and freedom of expression and so forth, but also the, the joys of these cultural distinctions. That that I know that if if a hurricane you know blew by or an earthquake happened here in Los Angeles, that that people would be looking out for each other. I like that. That's a that's a Benny, as they say. <clears throat> of of being in America, it's a Benny, and same thing uh, just ab- about everything that 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 if I'm in that ambulance, that I know that people are moving to the side. I mean, 
God help us. You know, God help you if, if you were in France and you got a heart attack, American or otherwise, because they didn't know whether you're an American in the, in the ambulance, right? And then you hear the siren, the classic European siren, and all you know is that the, the ambulance is not moving. And why? Because your fellow French citizens ain't moving for you. They don't give a crap about you. So I, I, I like everything about America, you know? And, and, and then, of course, people race to say, oh, yeah, you know, America was a slave, uh, slave nation and, and civil rights and, and Jim Crow and such like that, as if somehow <clears throat> there was no such uh, racism or issues of superiority in Europe. Ha! Right? Well, yeah, it's, you know, the, the example of the football stadium. Okay, so we had some issues over the years here, but we don't today. Right. Today, look what they do right now at a, at a soccer stadium. Yeah. No, it, Throwing it, bananas on the field? At their star player? Right. It's, it's, it's offensive. The whole thing is offensive. It's embarrassing for them. If I were a, if I, if I were a Scotsman or whatever, whatever country does that, I would be embarrassed for my country, especially if I brought an American tourist there. And the American tourist could rightly say, just like they claim to say, oh, what's, what's with your guns and what's with your gods and why do you say, how are you and all that time, you big phonies. Uh, you know, I would say, what are you doing to that that player that you like so much, and, and you're throwing bananas at him? Oh, uh, he sucks. You know, he's a he's a loser or whatever it is. He's like we would never treat our athletes that way. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of catcalling, but it's not it's not as bad as what's happening in, in Europe. Yeah, and look how it it doesn't work in both ways because of our. <coughs> Our, the constitutional makeup of our values, I know I'm not referring to the document, I mean, internally, we don't judge the other society as that worse. We, we look at them and we go, okay, they're that way, and then we avoid it. Yeah. We don't endlessly go, oh, you, you, uh, you know, Englishers from this city or town throwing bananas at that player from Africa. Yeah. Here, you Marseillans from the city of Marseille throwing bananas at that black player, making monkey sounds <clears throat> at him. Right. What racists you are. How horrible. We, it's refuse, we boycott. We refuse. It's terrible. To come here. You know, part of the reason why they go so crazy in the sports arena is, is a little bit like what we talked about before, why they get uh, so petty. And why they have all these jealousies. And, all, and, and the reason why, as we said in the beginning of this podcast, is because they have so little perspective and they have so little to look forward to. They, you know, if you live in a country like America where the world is, is yours, where you can make millions by thinking of a great invention, you can start a new company, and opportunities await you galore, then you're less intense about all the small things. But when you don't have the ability to do the big things, to actually self-actualize and to see opportunities in your life, well, then you're going to obsess about the small things. Yeah, and and, 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 and that's why, that explains exactly what you're talking about, right, which is all these these feisty, horrific fights in the sports teams, but also the way they, they interact with each other. Yeah, our baseball or our football <clears throat> is merely escapism. That's why we get so upset when we see a Kaepernick, a Colin Kaepernick taking over and kneeling and making a big show of real life onto our football field. No, we want we want to escape all that real life stuff for these three hours. This is our vacation well, from it. Yeah. But for them, that's a, that's a different the, thing. Though. Yeah, but for them, the three hours of the soccer match. Match is part of the, the miserable drudgery too. Yes, the, the, the that's right. But it also has a lot more meaning to them. It's it's part of their it, it, it's part of their blood. I mean, you, look, you can look at the movie uh, like uh, Silver Linings Playbook, right? Where they the father is so obsessed with the uh, I think of the Steelers was it Eagles the Eagles or Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles, right? He was so obsessed with it, and it was part of his identity. But even there, he is nothing compared to. Uh, these soccer fans in Scotland and uh, France and otherwise, or Marseille, they, they, it becomes so important to their lives because they have nothing else important in their lives. This, this is the difference. And you can tell, what, what do they say? You can tell a lot about, uh, about, about a person from the company that he keeps, right? Of course, and I think that's right. But you can also tell a lot about a culture by the way they interact with each other. Fair. Right, and by that measure, I, I don't think that European culture has much to offer. And and the big answer to all this is, I mean, the the one uh, the the eight hundred pound gorilla or whatever the expression is in the room, 
is, you know, why is this so? Why is the difference? You can, why can you judge? You know, we talk about these distinctions. We talk about judging a culture by uh, the way it behaves toward each other. But why, why is it even happening in the first place? And the answer is one of the big distinctions in the first place that we talked about, which is the lack of God uh, in their society and the fullness of God, or at least the centrality of God in our society. Uh, it's a very big part of our our lives. And, you know, you don't have to like it, but it's true. And, and you, you receive the benefits of a world with God in America. You don't notice it. You don't see it. In the same way that you don't see my friend's uh, lack of a shower in, in her apartment, right? <laughs> but one of the things you're not seeing as a European is that, or for that matter, as an American, is that God's presence in our lives, that the fact that he is so important to so many people actually informs our day-to-day expressions to each other, the way we treat each other, and and our our general perspective on the world at large. That's what makes America different. That's what uh, I love about America. And think think of it this way, that the God is the sun, and all the things that the, the dance of the planets all depends on the sun being the center of that solar system. Whatever else you like, whether you like this notion of truth and justice and kindness and a sense of community where we all pitch in and help each other and charity and moving to the side when, when an ambulance uh, siren goes, goes by, all those things. If you don't have God, it's as if you pluck away the sun from that particular solar system and that's where all the planets just fly away into dark space i'm brock lurie thanks for listening we'll talk with you next week